I can't wait to get into God's Word this morning. We are in the middle of a series, a sermon series called Awkward Moments. I'm really good at providing you with awkward moments, and now I'm going to do a whole sermon series on it. But these uh, awkward moments are scriptural. We find scriptural teaching that may confront our comfort zones, and that's why they're awkward moments. And uh, last week, if you recall, we, <coughs> we talked about the harvest and how sometimes the moments that are around reaching out to people are sometimes a little awkward, uh, but sometimes those awkward moments, we overcome those things. And great fruitfulness comes. Jesus spoke with the woman at the well, one-on-one. There was awkward things about that. If you want to hear all about that, why I said it was awkward, you'll have to go online to our website. It's in the bulletin. You can see and find sermons and find last week's message. And I'm not going to re-preach that, preach that again. But he spoke to one person, and that person uh, resulted in many people coming to Christ which resulted in many more people coming to Christ. And so Jesus did not let what might be considered an awkward situation hinder him from uh, dealing and speaking with one person. And that, was, that was last week. This week I want to talk to you about the bread of life. The bread of life. And uh, again, it's, it, there's something very awkward. In fact, it's the one place in the Bible where it really got awkward and a whole bunch of people left Jesus's, uh, left from following him. Some, many of his disciples literally stopped following him because of this. Um, but it starts off, and, and maybe what I'll do is um, I'll stop here right now and I'll pray because there's really no place where I should stop later, so I'll stop, stop right now. Can we do that, please? Lord, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your word. Your word is a light for us. It gives us illumination, how to live. It, it's, a, it's like our f- spiritual food. And, uh, and your word is truth. And we believe, Lord, that your word is, is our guide. And we thank you so much that uh, you are speaking to us today in this moment, in this time. And we honor you right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So I'm, I'm in John chapter 6. I'm planning to stay here most of the, most of the morning. Uh, sorry. Well, yeah, most of the morning. Most of the rest of the morning anyway. Well, Jesus, uh, he, this is the beginning of John chapter 6 is when Jesus fed 5,000 people, at least, at least 5,000. Uh, some people think it was just the man. It's a little bit obscure in the original languages. It could have just been 5,000 men plus all the women and children. Uh, or, or it was just 5,000, one of the two. But uh, he's, that's a lot of people to feed with, with five little loaves and, and two fish. I, I believe every word of this is true. I believe it happened in history. It's not just a metaphor. It's not just a spiritual lesson. But it actually literally happened. They were out in the middle of nowhere, had no McDonald's, you know, had no Tim Hortons, and they were all fed with Five little loaves, buns, kind of, and and two fish, and that was that was a miracle, and uh, and so here it is breaking into John chapter six, starting in verse ten, 
Jesus said, you know, tell everybody to sit down. So they all sat down on the grassy slopes, and the the men alone numbered about 5,000. And Jesus took the loaves and gave thanks to God and distributed them to the people. And afterward, he did the same with the fish, and they all ate as much as they wanted. Come on, this was like a borgeshmord. It was great. I'm just seeing if you're paying attention. <laughs> Smorgasbord, right? But I like saying borgeshmord. It just sounds better. Uh, verse 14, And when the people saw him do this miraculous sign, they exclaimed, Surely he's the prophet we've been expecting. That would be the Messiah. And when Jesus saw that they were ready to force him to be their king, he slipped away into the hills by himself. That is, that is a very powerful statement. These people wanted Jesus to be their king so that he could meet their needs and their agenda. It wasn't about Jesus' agenda. If they really knew what Jesus was going to be doing, they, they wouldn't have been so excited because he's going to be talking about what's really happening here He's, he's, uh, he's setting, this miracle was a setup for a lesson. And uh, they were trying to force God's hand. They were trying to force Jesus to be king, to overcome the Romans and make sure they had enough to eat. That's what their agenda was. And, uh, and so anyways, he, he hid, he went away and he was, you know, praying into the evening the disciples were waiting to take him back across the, the Sea of Galilee or the lake, across to their hometown in, uh, in uh, Capernaum, I think it was. And Jesus, as it turns out, didn't come down. It was getting dark. The disciples, I, there must have been some kind of prior arrangement. can't imagine them just leaving him there. But they, I guess they figured, well, he, he told us to go. So off they went. And they were going across this uh, this lake, and uh, you know they met they met Jesus. Now Jesus ends up walking on the water, and uh, I have uh, another slide here, and I I wanted to show you this slide because I think it's fun, and you can be the judge if it's funny or not. But my wife and I are walking in Crescent Beach the other day, and in the summertime there is a dock between all those pilings there. And they took the dock away for the winter, but they left the sign up there. It says, no running. And I thought, you too, Peter, and you too, Jesus, no running on the water. (laughs) But these these miracles, the miracle of the feeding the 5,000 and the miracle of Jesus walking on the water, in the book of John, the miracles are actually... uh, they come from a little different perspective than the what they call the synoptic gospels. The synoptics that means see together. It's a Greek word, and 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 uh, so Matthew, Mark, and Luke. The the miracles are all about the people, you know, being helped, and so are the ones in, in John. But but actually, the writer John. This book was written. The Gospel of John was one of the last books written in the New Testament written approximately 90 A.D., as I understand. And um, this, the way John wrote, it was sort of the, the, the emphasizing that Jesus is the Son of God. 
Matthew emphasizes that he's the king, and Mark emphasized that he's the servant, and Luke emphasized that, that he was the, um, the, the, the teacher, and John emphasized that he's the son of God. And so the, it says in the book of John that these miracles, and we read it earlier in chapter 2 when he uh, changed the water into wine at the wedding, said these miracles are designed to show the glory of God. That's what the miracles were doing. In fact, there's only seven miracles shown in the book of John, plus one, which is the resurrection. That's eight. But miracles that Jesus did at, starting in chapter 2 and going all the way to chapter um, 11. And so there's, a, there's seven miracles, and there's a lesson for each, and, for each of these miracles where, where Jesus was really revealing his, his glory. And... Um, Anyways, he, Jesus walked on the water. That's one of the miracles. And uh, I'm going to read that. But as darkness fell, they got into the boat and headed across the lake to, toward Capernaum. And soon a gale swept down upon them. The sea grew very rough, and they had rowed three or four miles. Now, it doesn't sound very far until you're rowing at night in a storm. Then that's a long way. Uh, they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat, and they were terrified. Uh, but he called out to them, don't be afraid, I'm here. And then they were eager to let him into the boat, and immediately they arrived at their destination. And so that, that's a cool story. I like that story, and there's times where I would really like that to happen. Interesting that uh, these things, these miracles didn't happen all the time. You know, they, lots of times people just had to kind of get there on their own. You know, sometimes people get translated from here to there, and and Paul, he had to basically, that never happened that I'm aware of, where Paul got miraculously moved from one place to another. He just traveled. And uh, anyway, anyways, uh, and the next day, the crowd was looking for Jesus everywhere. They, they had their, their lunch, their miraculous lunch, and they wanted to make him king, and they're all excited to see him, and they're looking for him. They find him back in Capernaum, and they say, how'd you get here, Jesus? And they're all talking, and there was a hubbub and a buzz. And Jesus said to them, and now this is uh, verse 26 and verse 27. He says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me because I fed you, not because you really understood. Now he starts explaining uh, some things to them. And he says, don't be so concerned about perishable things like food. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. And he starts to teach them, and he's breaking them in slowly. The, the, the awkward moment is still coming, by the way. Just so you know, there's an awkward moment coming, a big one. We want to do these kind of works too. Like we want to turn the water into wine, and we want to feed the 5,000. And, and what's the work that we can do? And Jesus says to them, well, this is the work to believe, to believe in the one that God has sent to you. And they're going, well, okay, fine, but we want to do the exciting stuff. And Jesus says, well, the work of God, this is what's really important. You need to believe in me. And so, and I actually have in my notes, are you kidding? After this question, uh, this is slide number eight, if you're counting. Uh, they answered, show us a miraculous sign. Think about it. They just had lunch. 
<laughs> out in the middle of nowhere for 5,000 plus. <laughs> and now they're saying, well, can you show us another sign? Like, dude, do something else. Come on, let's make this thing work. Let's get a, let's get a franchise. Let's, let's move ahead with this. Do some more. And show us a sign so that we can believe how many signs. Well, you know what happens? We look at our circumstances. You know, what have you done for me lately, Jesus? We have a hard time with this very thing, too. We have a hard time with our faith sometimes. Am I the only one? Okay. It's awkward. Are you kidding me? <laughs> that's not in the Bible. That's just in my notes. Uh, and Jesus says, well, you know, people that, that eat the normal bread, you know, they'll get hungry again. But the bread I give you, you know, you won't get hungry anymore. Interesting. And they said, well, we're, we're up for that. You know, I'm down. And uh, then Jesus starts, you know, starts moving forward. He's, he's breaking them in slowly. You know, you just wanted the natural food. You just wanted lunch. And you, you really need to not worry about that so much. And you need to believe in me, believe that believe in the one that the Father sent. And, and he's just kind of setting them up here. And they said, give us that bread. And Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger again. That's the promise. The second promise. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But you haven't believed in me, even though you've seen me. However, those the Father has given me will come to me. Now, there's, there's a faith statement right there. Number, the promise number three, I will never reject them. You know, a lot of us have had rejections in our life, and it's still painful. It's still painful. <laughs> That's Jesus calling somebody. I don't know. Jesus says, I will never reject you. You will not be rejected. Verse 38, I've come down from heaven to do the will of God who sent me, not to do my own will. And this is the will of God that I should not lose even one of those. You know, some of, some of us have some wandering loved ones. Got any wandering loved ones, sons, daughters, sisters, brothers, parents, friends? Jesus says, all the ones that come to me I will not lose even one of those that God has given me, but I shall raise them up at the last day. For it is my Father's will, it's my Father's will that all who see His Son and believe in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. That's the most wonderful promise of all. We have a wonderful future. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Now, I have my... Lovely assistants, Louise and Bill, and their helpers, they're going to hand out a piece of bread to you right now. Please, right ahead, if you would. Uh, and as they're doing that, just, you know, try to multitask here. We're going to, I just want you, don't start eating right away, okay? Lunch is coming. Uh, just take a piece of the bread and hang on to it just for a minute, if you would, please. But Jesus, yeah, anywhere, just get it. Everybody should get one. Okay, so we're going to uh, so so we're going to just carry on here. Uh, Jesus, uh, 
I'm on number 11 now, verse 47 to 51. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Jesus said, yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. (laughs) Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread which I offer so the world may live is my flesh. It's starting to get very quiet in the crowd. You know, they had lunch, 5,000 plus. They're flying all over the place looking for him. They find him. He starts talking to them. And they're going, yeah. And, if, and he says, I got bread for you that if I give you this bread and if you eat it, you know, you'll never be hungry again. Yeah, I mean, come on, give me that bread. Now he says, what? This bread is my flesh? What? <laughs> now, has everybody, almost everybody has bread. Okay. So now, we're, we're, how are we doing? We're still waiting. Oh, up the front. Okay, good. Uh, so you've got most of you, a lot of you, have a piece of bread. And, uh, you know, there's a number of things you could do with that bread. And uh, you, could, you could eat it. And I think it's probably fine to eat. They just bought it a day or two ago, and I don't know what it is. Let me, let me see. Yeah, it looks good. Flat bread. I, I asked for flat bread. I don't know what kind of bread they used, you know, on the hillside there out in the middle of nowhere, if it was like this or if it was yeast bread or not. But this is kind of the kind of the bread. It looks a little bit like the picture I have there. So, you know, we all we all you could eat it, and if you want, you can go ahead and eat it. You could put it in your pocket or your purse. You could throw it on the ground, and I hope not, because then you know we'll be picking up bread all all uh, afternoon. <laughs> There's, you know, you could throw it away. You could put it on the top of your fridge and let it dry out. You could toast it and put jam on it if you dare, because you know what happens. You put this in the toaster, it's going to get hot, and then it'll be at the bottom of the little thing, and then you've got to unplug it. You should unplug it. Put your knife and fork in there or whatever and get it, dig it out. So probably don't toast it in the toaster anyway. Anyway, there's a lot of things you could do with it. But if you eat the bread... Whatever's in the bread will impact you. If you put the bread in your pocket, you'll have the bread. You'll like the bread. You'll be happy to have the bread. There's all kinds of things you could think about the bread. You could, you could wish it was cheese bread. <laughs> you, you could put garlic. That would be good. Butter and garlic. Yeah, come on. Anyways, you could have all that. But if you don't eat it, it won't affect you. You could believe in it. You could have it in your world. You could keep it in your pocket. Probably before it got too blue, it would be maybe a week or so. You know, just keep it in your pocket for a little while and walk around with a piece of bread. A lot of times, that's what people do with Jesus, right? They, You know, he's a good guy. I was talking to someone uh, this week, and they said, yeah, Jesus was a good man. Uh, but they didn't want to embrace him as the son of God course. They didn't want to eat his flesh. They wanted to just think nice thoughts about him, you know. I got bread close to my heart. Jesus is in my life. But he's not in my heart. I haven't eaten his flesh. 
if I don't have him impacting me and I haven't responded to him on his terms. I'm like those people on the side of the hill that we want you to be our king because you gave us a good meal and you're going to, we know you're going to be the guy. You're going to get us to get them dirty, rotten Romans out of here too. And Jesus is going, I'm, I'm not, that's not my agenda. That's not what I'm doing. You don't get me to do your will. You eat my flesh. That's awkward. If you have it in your pocket or your purse, you're under control. It's in your sphere. You can be all about it. You can think it's awesome. But if you eat it, whatever the impact it might have, it'll have that impact on you. So uh, number, uh, number 12, uh, verse 53 to 55. Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, I think it makes sense, and it's true, that Jesus was not talking about cannibalism here. It is a spiritual expression. It's a literal expression that is spiritual. It's not natural. Like, it's not like his flesh, like his actual physical, you know, body. Now, there's people who believe that when you bless the communion emblems, that those emblems mystically become the literal body and blood of Jesus. Now, that did not happen when Jesus initiated the communion because his body was quite intact after they had that first communion in the upper room. It, that, that is just not what Jesus is talking about when you, you know, this bread is my flesh. This cup is my blood. Us Westerners especially, uh, people of Europe also, think that, you know, things have to be, you know, just so evident and so obvious. And if Jesus meant said that, well, that's what he meant. Thank God. Yeah. Hallelujah. Well, some things have to be understood spiritually doesn't mean they're not literal. It just means that they're spiritual in nature instead of natural in nature. Okay? So he's not talking about, he's not talking about his natural body. He's talking about something, um, uh, something spiritual. The plain meaning of the passage, now this is uh, Albert Barnes saying this, the plain meaning of the passage is that by his bloody death, his body and blood offered in sacrifice for sin, he would procure pardon and life for people that they who partake of that or had an interest in that will obtain their pocket and thinking he's fine and, oh, yeah, I go to church and, yeah, I do this and, yeah, I do. it's not about the externals. It's about has Jesus impacted me enough that he's in me? He's come in by invitation. It was so awkward. Verse 60, many of his disciples said, 
These aren't just anybody. These are his disciples. This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? And Jesus was aware of his disciples complaining. So he said to them, does this offend you? Then what do you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I've spoken to you are spirit and in life. And jumping just down to verse 66, this is the point of no return. So it started off, he gave them lunch. And now he's directly in their awkwardly faces. (laughs) Awkwardly direct in their faces. And he's saying, listen, if you don't eat my flesh, you can't you can't be, have any part in me. At this point, many disciples turned away and deserted him. And then he turned to the 12th and he said, so what about you guys? You going or what's happening here? Let's, let's, let's clear the decks. Let's get everything on the table, even the bread, <laughs> even my flesh, my blood. Let's get it all on the table. What are you guys going to do? And Peter says, we're not going anywhere. You have, the, you, you have the word of life. You're, he says, we believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. So in spite of the fact that he didn't fulfill all of their agendas, they're ready to embrace him, and they still didn't even get it. But they said, we're with you, Jesus, right to the end, no matter what. And uh, that's, that's pretty cool. And I'm asking you today, are, are we all about what's in it for me? Are we all about the free lunch? Or are we going to eat his flesh and drink his blood? What does that look like? Lessons learned. Okay, so first of all is the agenda. They were ready to force him to be king. These are some of the Some of the points we've talked about. There was the agenda of the people. They wanted him to look after them and all of their needs. And then, of course, that's the next next, uh, point. Verse 26, Jesus says, I tell you the truth. You want to be with me just because I fed you. And then there's the message of, of the priorities. Jesus said, you know, don't... Spend all your energy seeking the natural things. Spend your energy seeking the eternal life that the Son of Man can give you. Spend your energy on things that are really important. And, of course, Jesus said, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. He says, if you don't, you can't have eternal life within you. So what does it actually mean? How can I truly eat his flesh and drink his blood? Well, the first thing is repentance. The first thing is turning away from my agenda. You know, I want you to be king so I can have a meal and I can have all my needs met and I can live the way I like with none of them dirty, rotten, scoundrel Romans. Surrender your agenda and needs and wants and desires to Jesus. The second thing is to seek my life in him. And I want to talk to you, and this is very close to me and close to my life. 
We need to have our desires in our life focused on what Jesus gives us and let him be enough for us. That's the question. Is Jesus and his agenda and his plan, is that enough for you, or are you still looking for the free lunch and the Romans gone? Because eating his flesh and drinking his blood isn't about my agenda. It's not about my needs getting met the way I want. And I could, I could be looking for my needs to be met in my spouse or my kids or, or my boss or my money or my, the location where I'm living. And I could be looking all over for my needs to be met there. And Jesus is saying, no, no, eat my flesh, drink my blood, look to me. Don't spend your time looking anywhere else. Spend your time looking to find life in me for the things that really matter. That's heavy. This is, a, this is a hard saying, it says in the King James. It's hard. It's awkward. People left him. I hope the church isn't empty next week. <laughs> Preaching the church empty. Understand, and this is, this, is where, you know, this is where the sword comes in. Jesus says, I came with a sword. And, and he said, listen, there's no life anywhere else. If you don't eat my flesh, don't drink my blood. You can't have eternal life in you. Look for salvation, and I, I think I might be preaching to the choir on this one. The work of God is that we would believe in the one that he had sent, in Jesus Christ. Believing is good. That means we believe him when he says, if you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can't have eternal life in you. So the, the question, it begs the question, the awkward question, are we going to be people who do that? And, you know, we'll have to probably phrase it a little differently, but we can't just have Jesus in our pocket. Seems so nice to be nice, Christian-y people in Canada. But, man, we need to have Jesus impact us and let him do his work in us and surrender to his priorities, and we will find life in it all. Hallelujah. Wow. Whew. Heavy revies, huh? I wish I made that up. That's the first time or not. It's early in the year. <laughs> That's an oldie. But anyway, let's stand together, please. I'm ready to pray. And uh, if you are in a place where you agree with some of the things in my prayer, you can nod or you can say amen. You can raise your hands. But Jesus, we appreciate all the many blessings. We do. Lord, you've, you've provided for us. You're faithful. We got our lunch. But Lord, we do want to surrender our wills to you. And God, we want to embrace you, not just have you around in our life and be nice Christian-y people, but God, we want to be followers of the Lord, disciples who are willing to not desert you when you say, if you don't do this, you cannot have eternal life. We are embracing who you are, Jesus. 
And we are embracing your work in us. And you're going to teach us and you're going to lead us. and You are going to bless us. And we will have life in Jesus Christ, in the now and in the future forever. And God, we thank you that this is life eternal, that we would embrace who you are and eat your flesh and drink your blood, sacrifice given for us, new covenant provided for in your blood. So thank you for your word today. And God, I I know this is not maybe the jumping up and down hallelujah kind of sermon, but God, your word is true every bit. And God, we embrace you. We love you, Lord. We lift our hearts to you, and we thank you for this good morning. Pray your blessing on each and every person now. May the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you today. If you would like personal prayer, we have people that will pray with you. Listen, before you go, can I just ask you, can you, I just ask you please just to look up here for a moment? Please. Some of, some of you aren't. Just look up here for just one more moment. If you have never come to the place in your life where you have embraced Jesus, received him into your life, would you come and find me? I want to pray for you especially. Or you can come up to the front and pray with our prayer team people. All right? God bless you. Coffee's on. We'll see you next week. Amen.